If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Katie's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Hey, hey, podcast number 245. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in this week. We've got your audio questions and your emails. Although a lot of it took a lot of prodding on my end to get you to leave your audio messages. We only had two as of yesterday at about 10 a.m. But we got six more, and then I've got some of your emails in here as well. So probably about 16 to 18 questions total today to go over. A lot of topics to discuss. And we'll get to that momentarily. I do want to start out with a little bit of bad news. And that is the fact that for those that have RSVP'd, I already emailed them yesterday. And unfortunately, I had to cancel the Reality Steve Fan Appreciation Party this year. That was supposed to take place on August 27th. So if you were interested in coming, you don't have to worry about emailing me. It's not happening this year. And the bottom line is this. I don't know if you know this, but Las Vegas went back to a full mask mandate, vaccinated or unvaccinated, starting tomorrow. And just being in the situation that I'm in, uh, the liability factor of hosting a party of close to 100 people, even though everybody I was asking for vaccination cards and everybody that would be attending would be vaccinated, the liability involved in that, I just did not want to have to deal with. Clearly, when I first started promoting the party, which was the day after Katie's first episode on June 8th, there was no mask mandate in Las Vegas, and there was no Delta variant that we knew about. Or maybe it was being talked about, but we didn't know how serious it got. And now Vegas is one of the top three most infected cities with the Delta variant Their numbers aren't great. That's why they're going back to full masking for everybody that's out there, vaccinated or unvaccinated. And it just sucks. I Trust me, I thought about having the party with everybody masked and whatnot, but there's going to be food and drinks and people are going to have their masks down for the most part anyway. And I just did not want to take that chance. I apologize to everybody 
who had booked flights to come to the party. And I just said, look, I, I can't do it. And I, it's really bothersome because it's two years in a row now that I promoted the party and had to cancel. Last year, I didn't have a choice. Like, I started promoting it in January. The pandemic hits in the middle of March, and we didn't even know how long it was going to last. Some people in this world thought it was going to last two weeks. You know, and then Vegas opened up literally one day before my party was supposed to take place. So clearly I couldn't have had a party last June 5th or 6th. And then I started promoting it this June 8th, right after Katie's premiere. There was no Delta variant. Vegas had taken off their mask laws. And then starting tomorrow, they're back to full masking. And it just sucks that I've had to cancel my party two years in a row. You know how much I love Vegas. You know how much I love putting on this party uh, for my fans and my listeners and you all out there that take the time out to spend a weekend and, and come to the party. It's just... Ah, it sucks. And, uh, you know, I apologize, but I'm just in a really tough spot. And I thought the best thing for me to do was to cancel it. The plan right now is to go back to its normal slot next year in 2022. First weekend in June. Everybody who was set to come to the party this year has first dibs on next year's party. But it will open up, obviously. It's first come, first serve. Anybody who wants to come, you can come. I don't think I'll be asking for Vax cards next June, but I say that now here on July 28th, uh, July 29th. I don't know. We just don't know where this country is going to be. There might be another variant. God, I hope not, but we just don't know. I would think by next June, <laughs> maybe we're out of this thing, but that's just wishful thinking on my end. I guess we really don't know. So I want to give it at least two to three months of people to build up. So I would think February or March. I'll officially announce the date of doing this party, but you know, hopefully it doesn't get canceled again. So anybody who was interested in coming, I'm sorry. Those that were set to come and RSVP'd and some of you had bought flights, I, I apologize. And um, I hope you understand that it's just a very tough for me, position for me to be in. With that said, um, before we get into the emails and your audio questions, I do want to talk about what just dropped today. You've seen me promote it on Instagram and Twitter the last few days. It is F-Boy Island, and it's on HBO Max. It is hosted by former podcast guest Nikki Glazer, and it's three women, Nakia, Sarah, and CJ. They're on an island. This island was in the Cayman Islands, which is funny because when this show was filming, I had people telling me, hey, I don't know if you know this, but Bachelor in Paradise is filming in the Cayman Islands. And I'm like, no, it's not. First off, Bachelor in Paradise doesn't film till June, and everyone was telling me, that this was Bachelor in Paradise. And I knew it wasn't. I just didn't know what show it was. Now we know it was F-Boy Island. And those three women, there's 24 guys on the island. 12 of them are self-proclaimed nice guys, and 12 of them are admittedly F-Boys. Like they told the producers, I'm going on as an F-Boy. And the women just have to date around and figure out who's there for them and who's just basically playing them because there is a money prize at the end. However, what is told in the first episodes, I've seen the three episodes that were released today and I will probably get advanced episodes of the rest of the season. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but you know, I'll give you the basics of what to know going in because it's a really good show. And I'm not saying that, like I said, I don't do you wrong when it comes to shows I've tooted the horn of, 
Temptation Island for the longest time, and you guys have watched all three seasons of that. You, If you like Temptation Island and you like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Love Island, you're going to like F-Boy Island. So I would suggest getting HBO Max and streaming this show. The first three episodes are released today. Next Thursday, the next three episodes, four, five, and six. And then the following Thursday, August 12th, the final four episodes. It's ten episodes total. And I've heard the ending is insane. I don't know what insane means. I have a feeling, though, it has to do with, based on what I've seen in the first three episodes, and maybe some of you, before you listen to this, have already watched it, you know that there seems to be a twist every single episode. Something happens where you're like, okay, they're not sticking to some rigid, we-have-to-do-it-this-way type of narrative. So it's really good. There's eliminations at the end of every episode. Each girl chooses two guys in her bottom two, then eliminates one, and then when the one she eliminates has to admit, I'm a nice guy or I'm an F-boy. So it seems like eventually as we get dwindling down toward the end, you can just do the math in your head. When they send F-boys off or they send nice guys off, they could be like, okay, you know, we have, you know, after the first episode, there's only 21 guys left. And it's like, okay, well... X amount are nice guys and X amount are F boys. So that's going to get interesting as we, as we lower the amount of guys on the show, but there's twists every episode. So be ready for that. The thing I really like about it. And I, and I said this on Twitter and I, and I said this in my Instagram story earlier this week is that it doesn't take itself too seriously for Christ's sakes. The name of the show is F boy Island. They're not sitting there telling you they want marriages out of this and babies and a long-lasting love. It is what it is, but it's funny, and they don't take themselves seriously, which is exactly pretty much been my biggest problem with The Bachelor and Bachelorette and why I make fun of it so much is because they do take themselves so seriously, and the proof of that is all the best scenes in The Bachelor and Bachelorette are either during bloopers or in the after credits at the end of the episode where it's something that's totally like not serious and something funny happens or the guys are goofing around or the women are goofing around. But why isn't that shown during the episode? Because they want you to take it seriously. Because the second they show that during the middle of an episode, you immediately start getting an impression of, oh, they're not taking the show seriously, where it's just like, nor should they. <laughs> they don't need to be taking the show seriously. It's silly. It's silly to go on the show and think that you will find somebody at the end of two months that you barely know and get engaged to them. Now, yes, have they had success stories? Sure. But the success stories success stories have pretty much been on the women's side, and I think women take the show more seriously than the men. Only one male has ever married the final girl that he chose, and that's Sean. So I, while it does happen, they are the exception and not the norm. F-Boy Island is exactly what you expect it to be. So they don't take themselves seriously, and I really love the fact that Nikki Glaser, one of the funniest comedians out there, who's very raunchy. Some people don't like her material. She's very sexual in nature in all of her material, at least some of her most recent stuff. If you saw the Bangin' Tour, it's 90 minutes of sex talk, and I'm talking graphic sex talk. But it's funny. The way she spins it, it's very funny. I find it funny. And they let Nikki be Nikki on the show. This isn't a Chris Harrison situation where he literally comes in and introduces himself and then leaves the show and you don't see him till the end and barely says anything. Nikki makes fun of the guys. She makes sexual jokes towards the guys. She makes raunchy jokes in general. She, they let Nikki be Nikki because they should. She's a comedian. She's a very funny comedian who does 
stores, uh, who does tours in, you know, arenas now. She's not just a stand-up that does it at your local club. She's graduated to doing tours in arenas. And you heard her say that on my podcast last summer. So it just, it, it's, a, it's, it's good. You will like it. And I don't know how, if you don't, I mean, yeah, some of the guys, sure, are douchey. But some of them are douchey because they're there as an F-boy. So it is interesting to know. And we as an audience, some of them reveal to us during their confessionals if they're an F-boy or a nice guy, and some don't. So you just kind of have to figure it out. But I released some clips yesterday on Instagram stories. Uh, Go download HBO Max. Stream it now. It's a good show. I know you're going to like it. So without any further ado, let's let's get going uh, with your questions. First one we have is an audio question. Hey, Steve, I was just curious what your thoughts are on Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 for maybe either the SEC or the Big 10. Oklahoma and Texas are two of the bigger programs in the Big 12, so them leaving is kind of a big deal. So I was just curious your thoughts on what you think of them leaving, maybe why they might be moving. Uh, Thanks. I love the fact that we're starting off with a sports question. Thank you very much for that. The simplest answer to this is money. The rich get richer. The SEC, arguably the best conference in college football, has been for a number of years, and now they're getting the two best teams out of the Big 12. And it's going to happen. I know that Texas and Oklahoma filed this week and I don't you know I don't know the paperwork and the legalities behind it but something tells me they're going to move to the SEC a lot sooner than 2025 when their media contract is up which is what they petitioned for this week like we're done when this media contract is up there's no way they're going to play four years in the Big 12 knowing they're bolting for the SEC something is going to change and this is the first domino because once this happens Basically, you're looking at mass realignment in all the major conferences, Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12. You know, there's always been this talk of four major conferences with 16 teams in each conference, and you have 64 major teams, and everyone else is screwed. And those 64 teams might form their own sport and every year have their own playoff. Like, the possibilities are endless right now, but this is the first domino I hope people realize that, that this is going to happen and this is going to cause major chaos in all of college football around the nation. And it's going to completely start realigning conferences. And you just, this is the new way, you know, it's, it's going to happen in Texas and OU leaving the big 12 this week, petitioning to leave. It's certainly going to be approved by the sec. They're not going to turn them down. Why would they means more money for the conference. But I know that there's talks that OU and Texas have to pay $76 million to get out of the Big 12 early. Somehow, someway, Texas and OU will be in the SEC before 2025. I don't know how. It's just going to happen. There's just, they're not going to be a lame duck. There's, these two colleges are not going to be lame duck in the, in the Big 12 for the next four years. There's no way. So something's going to get done sooner rather than later. And then, you know, we'll go, we'll go from there. You know, the talk of the twelve team playoff now. How does that change things? Like, there's there's so many moving parts. This is the first one, 
and maybe in a year or two we're going to have everything laid out of, okay, this is the new structure in college football because it's certainly not going to be a four-team playoff with the current the current conferences the way they are. It's just not. So next I want to get to a reader email after this. Basically every audio question that we have this week will be followed by a reader email. Hey, RS, I know, I'm be, I know I might be a little late getting in this since it just happened today, but what are your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation? Did you see his press conference today? If you did, I'd like to know what you think. Personally, as a card-carrying member of Packer Nation, I love that he's back because he makes us a legitimate contender. Outside of all that, I don't know how I feel about the guy. Wondering your thoughts. You know, he's a polarizing figure. He certainly marches to the beat of his own drum. We know his backstory with his family. We know his backstory in relationships from, uh, you know, uh, Olivia Munn to Danica Patrick. And then all of a sudden, not only is he dating Shailene Woodley, they're engaged. It just, he, he's hosting Jeopardy for a couple weeks. There's rumors he wants to retire and be the permanent host of Jeopardy. Like, he he's he's different. He's definitely different. However, I will say this. I listened to that whole press conference yesterday. I think every single thing that he said, I'm on board with. I have no problem with what he said, what he thinks he deserves, and what he's asked the franchise for. Because in this day and age, I'm sorry. I know that this idea of everybody on the team needs to be treated differently. No, they don't. You're not treating LeBron James the same way you treat the 15th guy on your team. It's just that's unrealistic to think that way. Nobody, no organization, no franchise should do that. You have to cater to your superstars. And if you don't, you're going to lose them. And that's exactly what happened to the Packers. All he said was 14 years as a starter, 17 years with the franchise. I think I deserve maybe a seat at the table when you guys are discussing free agents when you guys are discussing, you know, possibly recruiting some guys to come here, I need to be a part of this. I'm coming, and not to mention, he is coming off an MVP, MVP season, and the franchise didn't come to him with anything of, we want to do this with you, we want to re-up with you, we want to extend your contract. I, I just, I had no problem with anything that he said. I know there are people out there that do, and this is sports, and people are always going to have, you know, take sides. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy at all. I think he's definitely quirky. And I think he certainly is not your average quarterback when it comes to handling the media and the things that he talks about and things that he says. But I would have that guy on my team every day of the week and twice on Sundays. He's a baller. He's a three-time MVP now. He's won a Super Bowl. Certainly their lack of success in the playoffs since they won that Super Bowl against the Steelers um, here in Dallas back in, what was it, 2011? It's not on him, you know. There's a stat out there, and I could be getting this wrong, but I think I'm pretty close when I say this. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I remember seeing it. That Aaron Rodgers has thrown one touchdown pass in his career to a wide receiver that was drafted in the first round by the Packers. Like, that's ridiculous. How do you not get this guy a receiver 
Now, granted, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in all of football, if not the best. He wasn't a first-round pick. How do you not get this guy a receiver in 14 years in the first round? Like, go get this guy a stud. And they haven't. And, you know, another thing that he said today in the press conference was, it's never about the money. They tried to money whip me back in May, and I didn't want the money. I said, I want things handled differently. I don't like the way you've treated some of the guys, some of the guys that, you know, gave their blood, sweat, and tears to this franchise, and you either didn't even offer them a contract, you lowballed them, or they found that they were cut, you know, through the internet. I, I, I didn't have any problem with what the guy said today. Nothing. I think he deserves it. When you've earned that level of stardom, and you're a three-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion, you deserve that from your franchise. I'm sorry. I'm one of these people that absolutely believes superstars should be coddled and treated differently than other players on your team. You have to in this day and age or else you're going to lose them. It doesn't mean he's not a team player. I don't think he's asking for much. He's not asking for the GM role. He's just asking, hey, can I get a say in some of this? Can you listen to my suggestions? And he basically said they didn't listen to anything I said. So, yeah, that's why this offseason I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not showing up for OTAs. I'm not showing up for minicamp because I don't know where I stand with these guys. So I don't have an issue with what he did. Hi, Steve. Out of Katie's men, who do you think is a serious contender for the next Bachelor? I know Andrew S. and Michael M. are obvious choices from the Memtel All, but is there anyone that you are hearing that could be potentially getting a Bachelor edit from Bachelor in Paradise? Also, can you outline the upcoming filming schedule? Is it possible for Michelle's men to be The Bachelor? Or would picking from that group not work because of when her season will air and when they're filming? Thanks so much. You know, I everyone seems to think it's Andrew or Michael. And certainly both of them coming off of this season got an edit that was worthy of being The Bachelor. In terms of Michelle's men... While it's not impossible, I just don't see it because of the timeline. Michelle starts filming her season either tonight or tomorrow. It's going to film till the second week of September, from what I was told. It's going to start airing, we know, on, what was it, October 19th? That Monday is the premiere? Let me look at my calendar again here. October, yeah. 19th, that Tuesday. Sorry, it's airing on Tuesdays because Dance with the Stars airs on Mondays in the fall. So it starts airing Tuesday, October 19th, and it stops filming around September 10th or so. Which means we're not going to get the cast. Now, yes, they released the cast on Facebook, the possible guys that could be on our season. You have all 35 guys now on my Instagram account. 33 are on my Instagram account in the highlights, and the other two I added yesterday, one of them, Yikes. Uh, go look at my Twitter for uh, Will Urena and um, see some of his retweets from literally three months ago. This wasn't something that, oh, someone found tweets from 10 years ago. No, this was three months ago. And some really misogynistic and alpha male bullshit that I, I, I got to be shocked if this guy makes it on the show now. Because clearly the franchise knows what I post. They're very well aware. And they... Again, didn't do their homework, couldn't even scroll down. 
This was like within his last 10 tweets on his timeline. This wasn't, he didn't have to go digging for this. But anyway, all 35 guys are there. We, you know, once they start filming, they usually take that page down on Facebook. So the only thing anybody will know about Michelle's guys after they take that down is what they remembered. If you didn't look at the spoilers of who, what their last name is and what their Instagram is, it's just their first name and their picture and the city. So you're looking at probably not till a couple weeks, maybe beginning of October is when they'll release the bios and re-release these guys that made it on the season. By that time, you know, the bachelor starts filming right around the time that would happen. And it just, it just wouldn't make any sense because you'd be giving away if you name one of Michelle's guys The Bachelor, you'd be giving away the fact that, one, he didn't win Michelle's season, and two, the audience wouldn't know anything about him before they started watching. They already did that with Matt, didn't have the greatest success. I just don't see them going that route. So you've got Andrew and you've got Michael, the only two possible guys from this season that could be The Bachelor. Greg's blow up at the end of the season is just not going to look good. I can't see how they could sell him as The Bachelor after that. Is there someone from Bachelor in Paradise that could end up being The Bachelor? I don't think so, based on what I know. It seems like the guys who it could possibly be are all in relationships post-Paradise. So, who knows? I just don't see it happening. I would think it would be Andrew or Michael. And it seems like everyone in production is leading toward Michael, but I, you know, I just don't know yet. A uh, reader email here has a couple questions in it. Number one... Was Thomas not at the Mentel all because he was still in paradise? His background looked like it was set up by production. He was very tan, so I thought maybe that was the reason. Uh, no. The Mentel all was filmed 10 days ago, and Bachelor in Paradise was done filming before the month of June was up. They went from like June 7th to around the 28th. So, no, he was definitely not in paradise. And then the second question they had was kind of what this other person said. Will Michelle's men also be in contention for Bachelor? Will they need to start filming Bachelor before her season airs? Yeah, they're going to start filming. If we, if we, I'm going off the schedule of last year. Matt James's season started airing October, uh, filming October 10th. And I believe Claire's season started airing October 14th. So, yeah, it just you'd really be giving the audience that someone they don't know anything about. And you'd basically also be giving away a spoiler of this person doesn't win Michelle's season. So I don't see them doing that. All right, let's get to your next audio question. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. My question is about how many athletes are recruited to be on Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons. It seems like, um, especially among the men, but among men and women, there's just so many athletes. And I'm curious if you know a reason for this, since it's obviously not a physical competition like the challenge. Um, Is that something that um, the casting folks are specifically recruiting for is is something where, you know, communities of athletes are like recruiting each other because they've been on the show already so much. Um, And do you know how it compares to other uh, sort of romance reality shows? Like, do you see this as commonly? You know, I've never really thought about it in terms of 
athletes being on the show or why they are on the show and being recruited, other than the fact that if you're a former athlete or even a current athlete, you're probably in good shape. And we know they cast guys who have 12 pack abs and, you know, 3% body fat. Like that's, that's what the show does. So if you're an athlete, it, it, it definitely helps you in that aspect. I haven't really done a breakdown of former casts and how many athletes are in it versus how many aren't in it. Never really gone that route, but certainly I think it helps if you're an athlete. And, you know, for Michelle's season, she's a former college basketball player. She played at Bradley University for two years, and she wasn't someone who rode the bench either. If I remember correctly, I think she averaged like 13 points a game in college. So, you know, they probably casted athletes because maybe she's attracted to athletes. And that's, you know, her, that's her thing. But in the past, I just think being an athlete helps because, Visually, it's good for the audience that are made up of mostly women. And, yeah, they like casting guys that are in good shape. It's just kind of the way uh, the show works. Let's get to an email here. Steve, I heard on the Game of Roses podcast that Thomas was not there at the Men Tell All because he tested positive for COVID. It was exposed to someone who had COVID-19. Can you confirm? Um, I cannot confirm that, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I That's... I'm, that's the first I'm hearing of this. I I can't imagine the Game of Roses podcast would run with that if they didn't have some sort of good source on that because then they're basically giving away Thomas's health status uh, with what a, a guess like I so there's probably something to it. I haven't heard either way if that's the reason he wasn't there. It makes sense now that you say that. If that's what they heard, that that's the reason he wasn't there, because they built a lot of the mental all around the guys having issues with Thomas. Like he was the biggest, quote unquote, villain of the season, yet you couldn't have him there to talk face to face with the guys like that's what the tell alls are all about is what is the villain going to say when finally confronted by everybody? You know, you look at Victoria Larson last season and the long list of villains, you know, in past seasons, they're always at the tell all. So the rest of the cast can confront them. So the fact that they built the season around Thomas being this bad guy and he wasn't there to defend himself must have been a pretty good reason. And obviously COVID is be, would be the number one reason why a guy wouldn't be able to show up. They said also some people are talking about having both Michael A. and Andrew back for bachelors like they did Katie and Michelle. Is that even possible? Would there be enough time to do that? I mean, could they? Yeah, but then you would be looking at. Um, so the next Bachelor season will film, you know, October through uh, right before Thanksgiving, start airing in January, and then on a normal schedule, March rolls around, just like last March. Katie started filming her season. You'd basically be saying we're not giving the Bachelorette a season that's going to air right around Memorial, start airing around Memorial Day. We're giving it another Bachelor season. I don't see them doing that. I really don't. I know they've two years in a row now have, well, they had two bachelorettes in the same season, but then they decided the Katie and Michelle thing to split up into two separate seasons. I don't see them going with three bachelor slash bachelorette franchises a year. 
and going, you know, January to March is a bachelor season. And then instead of having a bachelorette season from May to the end of July, you throw another bachelor season in there. And then, you know, you film a bachelorette season that you air again, October to December. I, I don't see that happening, but I, is it possible? Sure. You could do it because we've seen this year, 2021, they aired three bachelor slash bachelorette seasons. They aired Matt's in January to March. They aired Katie's June through August, and they're going to air Michelle's October through December. So it can be done. Are they? Is this going to be a new thing? I don't know. Are they going to have three a season, a three a calendar year? I don't know. And then the final question was, I think Wells Adams would make a good, great host for the Bachelor franchise. He is funny and gives great relationship advice. He is also lighthearted and fun to watch. I know he is a white male, but I still think he would be great for the role. He strikes me as much more open-minded than Chris Harrison. What are your thoughts on the future host? Do you think Wells would be a good one? If not, who else? If they did Wells, it would make sense because he's been such a mainstay in the franchise and he's been down in paradise for the last, what is it, three, four years? Um, but I just, I don't know what, what they're thinking with this permanent host going forward. I, I haven't heard any names. Clearly, if you're going alumni, Ben Higgins and Wells would seemingly be the two guys that you would think would take over that role. But I, I just don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Let's get to the next audio question. Hi, Steve. I love your column and your podcast. My question is about preparation by the contestants for any of the bachelor or bachelorette shows. Are there any physical requirements such as teeth whitening, hair dyeing, or any other physical changes made to the contestants? Thanks so much. Well, I will say this. They definitely have told contestants in the past, we want you to dye your hair. That's definitely happened. One that immediately jumps to mind is Kylie Lewis. You probably don't remember her from Juan Pablo season, but she got eliminated the first night, but she basically went in with pink hair because she was instructed to do so. And teeth whitening, I think they just, I don't think you're required to do it, but these people all know they're going to be on national television. And I think they just want to look good. So it's not like you have to go get it done. I just think a lot of people do get it done. That for sure. And in terms of other suggestions, you know, we've heard that, especially on the women's side, that have told production, like I'm wearing, the, you know, they ask what color dress are you wearing? And they're told not to wear that dress for a certain rose ceremony or first night. Remember that one season where like eight girls had a red dress? And they just made a storyline out of it. Like that's all done because production tells people to do that. It wasn't just a coincidence that eight women decided to wear a red dress. So they absolutely have an input and will ask people to do wear certain things, physical stuff. I mean, there's the story that a former contestant was paid to get a boob job before she went on paradise. I've heard it was, it absolutely did happen. In fact, I think she even admitted it in a post-show interview that the show paid for her boob job before she went on Paradise. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what happened. But um, that seems to be extreme. 
I don't know why, because it wasn't somebody that really stuck out either. And it was just surprising to hear that. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't really get it. Uh, next email. Hey, Steve, wanted to get a question for this week's podcast since you were short on questions. Do you plan on having Emily O'Brien on the podcast again soon? Loved your last podcast with her, past podcasts with her. And with this Delta strain going around and vaccine hesitancy, et cetera, would love to hear her input again. Absolutely great timing on that question. I've been trying to get Emily on for the last two weeks, ever since Delta has become a thing and the Delta variant has caused all these issues in the country, including canceling my fan appreciation party this year that I canceled yesterday. Um, I've been trying for two weeks with Emily and she's been swamped at work and she got back to me yesterday and said, I'll do it. I've been swamped, but let's figure out a time. So we're figuring out a time when we can record. Hopefully she will be next week's podcast guest. And I've got a lot of questions for her regarding the Delta variant vaccines in general, where this country is in terms of how we navigate through this, the idea of the freedom to choose whether or not to get the vaccine. I think it's there. I have a lot of questions for her to say the least. And she's, she has agreed to do it. I hope we get it recorded before next Thursday. And if we do, she'll be next week's podcast guest, but perfect timing that you asked that because trust me, I've been I've been hounding Emily for the last couple of weeks. Like I want to have you on. Like I think we had her on in December when, right after the vaccine was basically um, given emergency FDA use, and we said, okay, what can we expect? Now we are seven months removed from the last podcast. We've seen the numbers. There's a, people still have a lot of questions. There are plenty of people obviously out there that still are not getting vaccinated for whatever reason. Um, that they may have. And I just think getting correct information out there versus misinformation is something that needs to be heard. So if it can get one person to change their mind uh, about, Oh, I thought it was this. And that's why I'm not getting the vaccine, but this is an epidemiologist, someone who actually does the studies for this, not a talk show host, not a Facebook post, but an actual epidemiologist telling you the reasonings for why the vaccine works uh, yeah, I've wanted to get her on, and it looks like she will be on. Hopefully, um, we'll record in the next few days, and she will be next Thursday's podcast. All right, next audio question. Hey, Steve. I've tried to record this like 10 times, so hopefully this one works because it's uh, cutting in and out really bad. But this is not meant to be rude in any way because I'm a huge fan. I read the column and listen to the podcast every week, and my question is, what is the future for you look like? If The Bachelor really is on its way out, like a bunch of people predict, what do you see yourself doing? Is Reality Steve still going to be Reality Steve without The Bachelor? Will you just cover other shows or do you plan that far ahead or do you just take it day by day? I'm a very anxious person, so I feel like that would always be in the back of my mind as to what am I going to do next? Anyways, like I said, huge fan and appreciate you answering that. I don't think there's anything wrong with you asking me that. I'm fine with that. I guess my answer would be I, I'm just not as anxious as you are, and maybe I should be. Maybe I should be thinking more about the future and what it's going to be like for me if and when this show goes off the air. I personally don't think it's going off the air anytime soon. Do I think it possibly 
could move off network television and move to streaming? Certainly. But as long as it's still being put out there, I I haven't given it a lot of thought. And maybe I should. I guess I've just... I, I, I don't think the podcast is going anywhere because I think there will be a time and place to find plenty of people to interview. And as you've seen over the last few months... I'm not, I'm just not, because of my lack of ability to get the big names from the Bachelor franchise, because they're, they don't want to be associated with me, and they have other podcasts that they can go on or start their own podcast, I have no problem talking to people outside of Bachelor Nation, and I'm going to start doing more, trying to do more human interest stories. I, I, I heard someone on the radio today that I reached out to on Twitter DM and hopefully she can come on and she has nothing to do with the bachelor world, but has something to do with something major that's going on right now. So I, I hope that I I just don't see the podcast going anywhere because I really like doing it as for the column and you know, the column will still be there as long as the show is on. It's just tough to know when the show is going to go off the air. Clearly, 2021 was the first year in the history of this show's franchise that they aired three different bachelor bachelorette seasons in one calendar year. So it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. seems like they're adding more shows. And then with bachelor in paradise starting to air next month, you know, we're looking at four bachelor related programs on network television in the year 2021. So, um, but will it come to an end at some point? Sure. Absolutely. But I just, I haven't thought about it. Maybe I should. One of the questions that was asked on reader email was, what about Bao? I thought he was being saved for Michelle. I got asked this a lot in the last few days, and I don't know where this came from. Where was ever there a rumor that Bao was going to be on Michelle's season? Until Monday morning, we had no idea who was set to be on Michelle's season. Nobody had said anything. And then the cast was released, and now you know the 35 possibilities that could be on Michelle's season, and Bao is not on it. So I'm not sure where this came from, but so many people hit me up this week, either on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, asking me, I thought Bao was supposed to be on Michelle's season. I, I don't know where people are getting that from. I, I, don't, I don't know. And let me just say, it's a good thing that Bao's not on Michelle's season. The other email I got, do you know if any of Katie's guys, Andrew specifically, will show up on Michelle's season? It's tough, I, it's tough to answer that now. I have no idea. Like, I had no idea that Blake was showing up on Katie's season. And clearly by the 35 guys that were released, none of them are former contestants. But if they use the same format that they did for Katie's season, then I guess maybe some guy will show up in episode three or four or something like that. But we won't know. All we know right now is the first night looks to be a bunch of new guys. There's not any former alumni that are set to show up on the first night. All right, let's get to the next audio question. Hey, Steve, big brother question here. In the past, there were a number of like all white alliances that you know certainly made racist comments that were captured on the feeds, but I don't think they were all about being white. What do you think about the cookout alliance 
being a people of color alliance that's trying to ensure a, a person of color wins. If it were, if the situation were for white people doing that, I think there'd be an uproar. But for the for the people of color alliance, it seems to be okay. Just curious on your thoughts on that. You know, this is where my lack of BB history knowledge might hurt my answer because I just don't know. But we all know that CBS and all CBS slash Paramount shows have adopted a new race uh, for all their television shows that 50% of all their reality shows have to be uh, BIPOC contestants. And as far as I know, that wasn't the case in the past for Big Brother. If anything, I, I, I mean, I, I if I'm speaking out of turn here, please, someone who's a BB historian, tell me this. But I don't think there were a ton of BIPOC contestants on past seasons. So it's almost like, while, yes, the cookout is made up, consists of six BIPOC contestants. I think they're all black. Um. It doesn't, it seems, I, I, I have no problem with that because they've never been able to form any sort of majority alliance in the past, have they? Because there's only been, what, you know, three or four at the most on each season, BIPOC contestants? So I have no problem with it. I know you're saying that, well, if, if a bunch of white people got together and formed an alliance, isn't that what happens every season? So... I don't, you know, you say cookout is an alliance being a, a, a people of color alliance. What if the situation were for white people? Well, that's what the situation seems to be every season is that white people dominate this show and dominate the majority alliances. But again, I'm somewhat speaking out of turn because I'm not a big brother historian. I just know that it wasn't until recently that CBS adopted the new policy. So, I I have no problem with the cookout alliance, none whatsoever, because they've never been given a fair shake in past seasons. So let me get to the reader email question, which revolves around Big Brother. Who do you think is playing the best so far in Big Brother? What were your thoughts on Frenchie? Are you watching the live feeds following on Twitter? Who is your favorite duo? Okay, a lot to go over here. So... If you haven't watched last night's episode yet, many, you know, I'm going to talk about it. So fast forward or whatever, if you, if you, if you're watching it today on DVR and, you know, waiting, but, and, and, and you know, and watch it later before tonight's episode of the live eviction airs. Um, so Christian wins power veto. Clearly doesn't need to use it, doesn't. So Frenchie or Brittany's going home. I'm not Frenchie. Um, God, what's his name? Champagne Boy. What's his... I'm already blanking on his name. Uh, um, you all know who I'm talking about. I'm going to have to call him Champagne until I remember his name. But Champagne and Brittany are on the block tonight, and it looks like Champagne is absolutely going home, even though he thinks he's running the show. So this will be interesting tonight. It looks like it's going to be another wipeout vote where it's almost maybe he gets one vote to stay, but it looks like he's going to get shut out. Why am I forgetting his name? 
It's not Derek, because there's two Derek. There's Derek X and Derek F. Oh, God, it's so annoying that I'm just blanking on this. And I know, again, once again, you're probably all screaming at me of what his name is. I just remember his last name is Champagne. God, this is pissing me off. I'm Hold on, i got to Google this. Uh, Big Brother cast. Big Brother 23 cast. I'm going to shoot myself once I... Brent! See? That's how long it took me to find. Brent is... 1,000% going home tonight. And, you know, you talk, as Rob Cesarnino said last week, there's talks about Waffle Wednesday. Look, I'm only three seasons into Big Brother. I watched season 21, was the first season I ever watched, Cat season. I watched season 22, which was All Stars, and I watched the, I'm, I'm watching this season. It seems like in the early going, and I don't know if this happened in the previous seasons or not, but it seems like in the early going, the votes are overwhelmingly a majority. So, you know, what's there, 10 people voting tomorrow or tonight, 11 people? Early season doesn't ever, it doesn't ever, it's never 7-5 in the votes or 6-5. It's it's always a blowout. And based on everything we saw last night in the episode, zero people are voting for Brent. So everybody wants him gone. There's no way he survives tonight. None. So he's gone. Frenchie played way too hard. As you heard me talking with Rob last week, I was just like, I don't understand. This guy is a super fan. He knew what he had to do going in. He knew how to play the game, and yet he didn't play it at all like he said he would. He said he wasn't going to eliminate anybody that was a person of color or any women or put them up on the block if he had had a household and that's the first thing he did. A woman and a person of color were on the block. It just didn't make any sense. He he got in over his head, and I guess that's what the show does to you. No, I'm not watching the live feeds and following along on Twitter. I did the first week, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I don't want to be spoiled. And it was good. I've, li- I've enjoyed not knowing who won the wild card competition and who won Power Veto. I did not know Christian won going into last night's episode. So favorite duo. Hmm. I don't think we know enough yet. It just seems like things change almost on a, an episode by episode basis. And for somebody that's not watching the live feeds or even reading recaps of the live feeds or following along on Twitter or anything, anything I say is probably going to be like, going to be met with, Oh Steve, but you don't know what they said actually on the live. I'm like, okay. So, I don't really have a favorite duo yet. I just, I I need more time with these people to figure out who I like or who I think is playing a good game. Cause it seems like everybody who's been able to stay off the block and you know, the cookout Alliance seems to all be doing well. And the other Derek X has won two power of vetoes or two uh, wildcard comps. So see, he seems to be doing well. It's just tough to say. Moving on uh, to the next question part of their question from rear email also love island us who are your favorite couples who do you think is being strategic and staying in the couple for money if the finale was next week who do you think would win okay once again this is taking into account last night's episode that aired which was a major episode because there was a recoupling at the end if you haven't watched it again fast forward about what i'm about to say favorite couples Honestly, I don't have a favorite couple. I like more individuals. 
I really like um even though he's <laughs> I, I'm even though I'm kind of confused on what he's been doing, I do like Cinco. I don't like him with Trina. I do like Cash and this Charlie guy that she hooked up with at Casa Moore. I I still think there's something with Cinco. And somehow, some way, I think Char- I think I think Cinco and I think Cinco and Cash are going to end up as the winning couple. That's my guess. I think they're going to end up together, and if they do get together, because there's been this push and pull between them all season, I think they will be voted as the best couple, because I think Cash is probably the most liked female on that show. I could care less about Josh and Shannon. That seems very superficial. And two people that will literally break up the day after the show ends. Just my prediction. Uh, will and Kyra, I I actually texted this to a friend the other night before last night's recoupling. I said, I don't think Will is going to leave her. But when she finds out how much making out he did with um, Flo on Casa Amore, Kyra is going to flip out. And in the previews that they ended the episode with last night, that's exactly what we see. She's not going to be thrilled that he had his tongue in flow the whole time they were at Casa Moore and Kyra literally wouldn't touch anybody else unless she was forced to in that game. Remember when they, she pulled the Jenga piece and it told her to kiss three guys and she gave three guys a peck on the cheek. Yeah. Um, she's not going to be happy when she finds out how much kissing he did with flow. So I think Cinco and cash are going to end up together and they will end up winning the show. It's my guess. Obviously, it's a show that's filmed just like Big Brother. What we're seeing on TV is only about only happened about two or three days ago. So there's no way to know any spoilers on something like this. I just think Cash is the most liked female. As judged by when votes were done for favorite couples, her and Corey were voted as the favorite couple, and they weren't even a couple. That kind of shows that a lot of people like Cash. And I think a lot of people like Corey, but... She's by far the most liked female, I think, by the audience. So I think Cinco and Cash will eventually end up together. And if they are a final couple at the end that people have to vote for, they will absolutely win. And I think they should win. Final reader email question on on this email. Of the Big Brother and Love Island current cast, who do you think will do well on the challenge? Oh, gosh. I think Cinco would former college football player. I think Corey could. I think, uh, I'm just trying to think of the, the women, uh, big, gosh, big brother, Xavier, somebody that looks like he could do really well on the challenge. I think even though he was eliminated first and probably isn't a big enough name, Travis probably could do well on the challenge. Christian, I think is someone I could see end up on the challenge. Yeah, it's tough. I it you're having me go through two full casts in my head right now, but those those are the names that jump out to me right now. All right, let's get to the uh, next audio question. Hey, Steve, wondering your thoughts and whether you think producers were setting Greg up for a breakdown at the end, between having his best friend on the show Connor say goodbye to all the guys in a dramatic fashion to stir him up, and then being the only guy with two one-on-one dates to probably make him feel like he's the front runner. I feel like they played on whatever insecurities he must have been telling his producer to then toy with his emotions and feelings 
and then ultimately set him up to break at the end. Throughout the show, you could tell he was struggling by his facial expressions they put on TV. And I think producers knew this, and they wanted to psych him out for a dramatic ending. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Absolutely. Producers played on, preyed on Greg this season. And I think they knew where his weak spots were and where they could get him. And knowing how, you know, it's going to be another one of these things where when this is all said and done, the only people that really know what went on behind the scenes are Greg and production. And because you sign your life away when you do this franchise, Greg could go one of two ways. Either not defend himself and not say why he did what he did that we'll see coming up in the next two episodes. Or he'll just play along, not give any dirt, not maybe throw some shade here and there, but be very vague about it in tweets or maybe podcasts that he does. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, you've got that contract. And I'm sure that Greg is going to want to say he's going to have to see how it plays out and how the edit goes. I've heard it's not going to be good, but will he actually fill us in on what really happened? If something is left out that he wants people to know, I don't know. Depends on if he wants to get on their, on their bad side. And it's just, it's just very, very hard to say at this point. Uh, reader email follow-up. Hey, Steve, I saw that you referenced F boy Island, the F boy Island show and a lawn producing it today in your emails. I really thought that might have been a conflict of interest for you at first, but when I read your answer, I realized I was just making assumptions. I am one of those people for all these years who totally thought Alon was a source of yours. I guess he isn't. Or maybe he is and you're still not telling us. Ha. Huh? Kidding. I think I'll check the show out on your recommendation. Thanks for all you do. Yes, please check it out. You will like it. If you liked Temptation Island, you like Love Island, you like all the other shows that end in Island. Uh, what is that? Three shows that end in Island? Love Island, Temptation Island, F-Boy Island. Am I missing any other ones that end in Island? That are dating reality shows? Um, if you like those, you'll like this. I know you will. You can thank me later. As far as the Elan stuff, like I've been hearing this for years, and it's just, there's nothing more for me to say. I've said the same thing. I've given the same answer for years. The problem is, if you're a conspiracy theorist, nothing I say matters. Facts don't matter to you. It's what you believe in your own mind. If you believe in your own mind that Elon is my source, nothing I say is going to change your mind. How do I prove that I've never spoken to, never emailed, never FaceTimed, never DM'd, never texted, and never met Elon in my life? How do I prove that to somebody? Show you every email I've ever sent? Show you every text message I've ever sent? Like, I can't do that. I've never had any interaction with Elon Gale in my life. I've said that for years. But people are going to believe what they want to believe. There's nothing I can do about that. Um, all I can say is think really, really hard about what you're saying. Understand that back in 2011, the reason this show sued me was because of contact I had with contestants who turned my emails over to Elon, who then took it to their legal department. If you honestly think that Elon Gale is my source, you are a moron. Sorry. He's not. He never was. He never will be. The F-Boy Island collab that I'm doing right now has nothing to do with Elon. 
Alon's a producer on that show. He's not part of the PR team that contacted me wanting to promote the show. And like I said, I only promote things and approve things to collab with that I think my audience will like. I've turned down so many more things than I have approved over the years, whether it's on my podcast or whether it's on my website. And that's just the facts. Temptation Island comes to me. Yeah, that makes sense for my audience. Fab Fit Fun comes to me. No, not when I've made fun of it for five years. I'm not going to just take a quick buck and be like, hey, everybody, get your Fab Fit Fun box. Or is it Fit Fad Fun? I don't know. I don't care. They've contacted me at least five times over the years. Turned them down every time. Actually, I don't turn them down. I never respond. I just delete their emails. Sorry. You know who else has come at me a few times? Cameo. I've always said I've never understood why these reality contestants would charge to send somebody a message. Anybody that's ever sent me a message that said, hey, can you send a video for my friend who's a big fan or my bir- and their birthday's coming up or I did one for an engagement, I'll just do it. I can take a minute out of my day and not charge somebody money for it. I have no problem doing that. I just, I'll never partner with Cameo. And it's not like, look, I, if you want to do it, fine. It's just not, that's not me. And maybe it's because I get less. I mean, I've probably done maybe 15 of those in my life where someone emailed me and said, hey, can you do a shout out and can you send me a video? And I said, sure. I just feel so weird and so creepy asking for money for me to take a minute out of my day. You know, if someone said, hey, can you show up to a party and give a speech? It's a different thing. This is, hey, can you record a 30 second video and send ha- say happy birthday to my friend who's a big fan? Sure. I'm going to say, yeah, I, yeah, for $25. Like, <laughs> please. Why? I mean, charging for that. It's no stress on me whatsoever. Yes, I'll do that. Now watch you get an influx of them after saying that and I get 50 requests. No, I, I, I'll never charge for something like that. But cameos come to me and I've turned them down as well. I just am not, I will never partner with them. Not because I don't believe they're, you know, they have a, so I, I get their service. It makes, I get that makes sense, but it's just not for me. But yeah, F-Boy Island came to me. The PR team came to me and said, We've got a good show here. Uh, we think it's be good for your audience. I said, absolutely. And, you know, I'm collabing with them. So I have no problem with that. And I'm glad they came to me because I really enjoy the show. You know, it has nothing to do with Alon or anything like that. You know, Alon, yes, he's executive producer on the show. You can, when you watch the episodes, you'll see some similarities and some tropes used in reality TV. And maybe you can even pick out some things that maybe you think Alon did uh, on FYI Island that you saw maybe he might have been behind on Bachelor and Bachelorette. He's a, he's a reality show producer. I mean, it's not going to be he's not gonna all of a sudden change exactly what he does. Every, you know, there are people in Bachelor Nation that swear by Elon and say he's the best producer they've ever dealt with. And he was great at what he did. And then there, yeah, there are fans of this franchise that can't stand the guy and hate him for what he did to them in terms of edit and things that he manipulated and said and felt that he lied to them. Yeah. But you know what? All reality TV producers lie. Some are just better at doing it than others. So let's get to one final question. This is an audio question. 
Hi, Steve. My name's Ashley in Sacramento, California. I've been following you for a couple years now, and not to say that the rest of your podcast isn't great, but my favorite part of it is actually the theme song. I seriously jam out to it in my car when it comes on. It's like, and I'm just, I just love it. And I'm just curious if you could share a little bit about where that theme song came from. Did you create it? Did somebody else create it? Um, just the background of that. I'm very curious. Thanks, Steve. Ah, yes. The old theme song question. I have answered this quite a few times, but Ashley did say, I believe that she's only listened for a couple of years uh, to been turned onto my site for a couple of years. So it is possible that in a reader email where I know I've answered this a few times or in a column where I've answered this, she missed it. So I will say it again. Here's the backstory of the theme song for my podcast. The name of the song is positively lost me. And the group is the Rave Ups. It is from the movie Pretty in Pink, which was a Brat Pack movie back in the mid-80s. You know me. I love making 80s movies references. I loved all those Brat Pack movies, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire. It's what I grew up on. And I remember back in the 80s, and this is just so weird, but I remember back in the 80s watching Pretty in Pink, one of my all-time favorite movies. Don't judge. And... Hearing that song, it's the club scene where Andy and Blaine go on their first date to the dinner party at Steph's house. They leave there and they go to the club where Ducky is there and they have their tiff. But in the background, that song is playing. And I've always liked that song. But it wasn't until probably, you know, when Apple Music became a thing and you could start just finding any song you want that I knew the name of that song. I knew the rave up sang it, but I didn't know, um, the name of the song, but it's positively lost me by the rave ups. It's from pretty in pink. And when I decided to start a podcast back in 2016, I think even before that, that song has always been in my head. It's a very catchy, as you know, it's a very catchy riff. I mean, Ashley just came on and sang it for you. Um, and I'm at a point where I was at a point where I'm starting a podcast. What music can I use? Anything famous. I was just not going to, I was taking a chance of putting it on my podcast and going through copyright issues. If it ever got back to the person who did it, the rave ups were popular 30 years ago. So I actually found out who the lead singer of the rave ups were. And that was, the name is Jimmer Podrasky. And I emailed him. I f somehow found his email and I saved it to this day just in case he came back and said, you can't use that song anymore or whatever. So you gave me approval, but I emailed him out of the blue and I said, Hey, you don't know who I am. I'm starting up a podcast and positively lost me has been a song that has been in my head and a song I've always liked for 30 years. I'm wondering if I could use it as my intro music on my podcast. And he said, yes. And, that's the story of how it became my intro music and my outro music as well. So props to Jimmer Podraski for doing that. If you Google Jimmer Podraski positively lost me on YouTube, you can find a couple of the live versions you've done of it in the past. It's their most popular song. 
They they were big in the 80s during that Brat Pack era. If I'm not mistaken, Jimmer Podraski's first wife is Molly Ringwald's sister. It's why the rave-ups got music in those movies. In 16 Candles, when Molly Ringwald is walking in the hallway with her friend, you actually see on her folder that she's carrying in her arms, she had written the word rave-ups. Like, you know, how you all drew on your on your binder in class. She wrote the rave-ups on there, and you can actually see it. Uh, because at the time, I believe Jimmer was dating her sister. And that's how they got in Pretty in Pink and had a couple songs in Pretty in Pink, and it's on the Pretty in Pink sound. Actually, their other song that's in the Pretty in Pink movie is on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. Positively Lost Me isn't. So you have to just do a search of it. But, yeah. Positively Lost Me by the Rave Ups. Great song. And that's the background of it. So thank you all for emailing and leaving your audio questions. This is always fun. I've always enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys came to the rescue yesterday. I only had two going into yesterday, and then we were able to get six more. And uh, so thank you for that. Um, I thank you all for listening. And please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. But we'll be back next week with yet another podcast. Hopefully it is Emily O'Brien where we talk vaccines, we talk Delta variant, and we talk all sorts of things that are going on right now uh, with the virus and the vaccine. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. See you.